Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. Today we're here to talk to you about self-help because you need it. I mean, we all need it. That's kind of the point behind it. Today I have with me Jared. Hello. I'm Raph, obviously. 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 If this is your first time joining us, uh, the Forest Creek is an alt-culture pop philosophy podcast, which is... Uh, a more recent description that I've decided to come up with. Mm. Or at least it's alt takes on pop culture sometimes, you know? Mm. But pop philosophy is something that we enjoy. And one of the most common topics in pop philosophy surrounds self-help. When they taught philosophy to me in academics in at university, the first course you take is logic, mm. the second one you take is metaphysics, and then you take morality. Hmm. Because you're starting with logic, which is how to think, how to know things, how to know that you're knowing things. Hmm. Metaphysics is where, what is the basis of existence? What is the basis of reality? You know, it's kind of natural, comes from there. And then what do you do now that you know that the universe exists around you? Mm -hmm. You try to apply your ethics. How do you do your everyday interactions? And then you get to the point where the ethics, you're applying them to yourself and how you're leading your own life hmm. and how to better your own life. And that's naturally where we find ourselves in self-help. It also extends to psychology quite a bit, right? Because hmm. it's your self-psychology. It's your psychology engaging with the psychology of others, the way your brain works, the way their brains work. How can you optimize it? And then you can go from there to business skills. How are you building your own wealth? How are you managing your own organization? It goes from there to health. Mm -hmm. How are you taking care of yourself and exercising? Sometimes it ventures, you know, kind of circles back to metaphysics, religion, and spirituality. Mm -hmm. In our first episode, episode seven, which I jokingly named first episode because mm -hmm. it is kind of like the first episode. We talked about stoicism a little bit. Mm. Um, that was back when I think you had started reading some stoicism. I am interested in it. In the sense that, in the same way that I'm interested in a lot of Greek philosophy in general, mm -hmm. especially uh, Socratics, pre-Socratics, um, there's actually, it's funny, sometimes they're actually defined by where they are in relation to Socrates. Hmm. So there's, you know, there's philosophers, the pre-Socratics are trying to figure out what the world is made of, mm -hmm. like Pyronimus, who's like, the whole world is different forms of fire. <laughs> and then Thales, who is like, the whole world is different forms of water. Hmm. Um, so they're all kind of figuring it out still. And then you get to Socrates who kind of reestablishes logic in the world. Hmm. Um, the idea of questioning things continuously. Mm -hmm. And from him, he teaches Plato. Uh, so Socrates teaches Plato. Plato oh, like he become, actually taught him. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. taught Plato. Plato was the first one to start writing things down. Mm. Because Socrates believed that if you just wrote everything down, you'd never need to remember anything. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. That's like a way a boomer would look at a computer. Some way. <laughs> it's like, what? Just talk face to face. Put your phones away at the dinner. You know, that was kind of the yeah, Socrates yeah, look yeah. at things. Plato was the mentor to Aristotle. Hmm. He's also the writer of uh, Plato's Republic and the Dialogues, which basically were his conversations with Socrates and with other philosophers of the time. Hmm. Um, fun fact about Socrates he his whole deal was questioning things um again we're in the pop philosophy area but while we're here socrates whole deal was questioning things when you asked him a question 
or you he'd ask you a question and then based off of your answer he would ask you another question hmm. and that is how he kind of established this idea of building up a world yeah premise answer and then from the answer derive another premise and then from that premise another answer until mm-hmm. you kind of get a bigger picture and sometimes you can discover logical incoherence that way for instance there was a, a famous scenario where he's talking to one of his friends who's a priest a priest of i don't know hera or zeus mm-hmm. these were ancient greeks and then he started asking him all these questions about the gods and like venturing into the area of heresy hmm. for ancient Greeks. And like the priest was like, hang on, dude, do you want to keep asking these questions? <laughs> You're kind of putting yourself in a dangerous position here. Even to the point where the amount of questioning that he was teaching younger philosophers and younger people in Greece caused him to become somewhat unpopular with the local powers Mm -hmm. and so they sentenced him to death oh okay which is when they told him you need to drink hemlock Mm -hmm. which he did Um, that's how he died yeah but you know plato went on from that to teach aristotle and aristotle is the founder of like a lot of modern ways of thinking He's credited even, you know, AD would love to probably jump in on this and say he's credited with a lot of philosophies that are actually quite central to Catholicism, Mm. which is very central to the Western world in general. Yeah. Not to mention a lot of mathematical things, Um, although we also credit Pythagoras for that stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm lost in Greek philosophy here. Help me, Jared. (laughs) Help me. Well, let's... I don't know. I got into Stoicism through the Daily Stoic. And that's really my only source. Which is a great account. Yeah, he is. Although I've noticed he says the same thing over and over again. Because, I mean, the Stoics are pretty old. They're not coming up with anything new. <laughs> well, that's... But it's all important stuff. And, like, I've also been reading Miyamoto Musashi. I've been reading The Vagabond. Yeah, the manga. Before we jump into the Eastern stuff, because I okay. do think it's very interesting. Yeah, right. The thing that we always talk about when we see self-help is we tend to see the same pieces of advice all the time. Yes. The reason why is because wisdom hasn't really changed that much. Mm -hmm. Human beings haven't really changed that much. Yeah. Yeah, we've become smarter in some areas and we consider things a little bit differently and we have different technology and clothes and blah, 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 blah. But you still feel happy. You still feel sad. Mm -hmm. Things give you a sense of meaning and purpose. And then other things don't. And you can see where you're wasting your time. You can see that eating too much makes you feel sick. You're still a human, right? So even with Stoic philosophies, with ancient Greek philosophies, with self-help philosophies, morality, metaphysics, all this stuff, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're we're saying the same thing yet again because... And and all that new modern philosophers can really do is just repackage it. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of the time they deal with the same old ideas because people haven't stopped being human. Mm -hmm. So we still engage with human. Yeah, that's why stuff like you can read things from Socrates and things that he said about how he felt. And you're like, man, I feel the same way. I read things from the Bible and I'm like, dude, I feel the same way. Yeah, which is the whole reason why the Bible is such a popular thing, right? (laughs) But even when it comes to, like, the Stoics, when you read Marcus Aurelius and he's like, Yeah. Use your time wisely. (laughs) Really? I should do that? Or even, I think it was Marcus Aurelius, his quote about staying in bed. Like, is this what I'm, is this my purpose in life is to stay under the covers? 
no, I have things to do. <laughs> yeah, and you could so easily apply it in a modern sense. As soon as you told me that, I was like, dude, I go through that struggle every single morning. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've been under these covers for an hour and a half. They're very warm. Humans haven't really changed that much. Yeah. And self-help advice hasn't really changed that much. So on today's podcast, we came up with uh, a list mm. of some of the most popular pieces of self-help advice. Well, we Googled one. Shut up. <laughs> We came up, we wrote the list. <laughs> well, to be fair, we did our research and yeah. then we found a list and we've made our alterations and now we are going to share with you the most popular pieces of self-help advice, whether they're coming from Eat, Pray, Love or they're coming from 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Boom. He also did 12 more rules for life. So I guess it's 24 rules for life. Now. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of rules. Yeah. The only one I've implemented... I haven't read them. I've just heard him list them. I don't know what his meaning behind it is, but I, I've implemented the one, if you see a cat on the street, pet it. I just liked the sound of that, so I started doing it, and it's improved. How often are you running into cats on the street? There's a lot of cats around my workplace. Oh. I once had a day, it was wild. I remember I, one of them, actually, yeah. You do? Well, yeah, when I was coming to drop some things off, a cat came by me, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's one cat there that absolutely loves people. There's the cat who supervises the studio yeah mishmash yeah i found one cat and i called his owner apparently the cat's name is flip-flops it was great but anyway it's petting the cats isn't actually on our list it should be it is a nice thing to <laughs> practice yeah but in general you know making rules for the first part it's just one of our ways that we like to set order for ourselves whether mm -hmm. it's the 10 commandments whether it is 12 rules for life whether it's musashi's way of walking alone mm. on a quick side because we did mention musashi before and eastern philosophy in general it's fascinating to me that eastern philosophy takes on things because it's very wedded to nature hmm. and you know observing yes. how nature works especially when it comes to something like taoism i will give a quick overview here of eastern philosophy mm -hmm. just the same way that i did for the ancient greeks you start with hinduism is the order of the world right it is showing you the caste system it's showing you the cycle of death and rebirth it is showing you the multiplicity of divine powers and gods that mm. you know kind of they are among you all the time buddhism is the sublimation of that it is you can escape the cycle of suffering now we go from there we can find especially in china you get confucianism which is a more social order of things confucius mm. his whole deal was it's a very wise way of looking at the world but it's all based in terms of organizing society organizing your own life and organizing the life of your family it instills a lot of very solid foundational values that are somewhat mm. conservative in a lot of ways but also very social right because it's based on the ways like how can i most efficiently run society and that's where confucius comes from it still influences a lot of modern chinese practice today mm -hmm. from confucius his master at least i've heard i might be wrong about this was lao tzu and mm. lao tzu was uh the guy who came up with taoism mm -hmm. and taoism is a little more ethereal a little bit more spiritual i've actually heard lao tzu, there's debate over whether lao tzu even existed there is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't even know how to spell his name. Really? Lao, L-A-O. And yeah. then sometimes people go L-A-O-Z-I. Some people go L-A-O-T-S-E. Some people go oh. L-A-O-T-Z-E. I thought it was T-Z-U. And those are just with the English letters. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. T-Z-U is another way. Yeah. 
So I'll just say Lao Tzu. I don't yeah. Know. I don't. I don't speak Chinese, so <laughs> I don't know if that was apparent. Lao Tzu. But, <laughs> but uh, he wrote the Tao Te Ching. Yes. Um, which is the spiritual book of the Tao, and it's very well defined by its first line, which is that which can be named is not the eternal Tao. Mm, which the way so Tao good. means way, right? the way the harmony of all living things the harmony of your own life it's mm-hmm. very much defined like i like to say that you could learn a lot about taoism by just observing the physics of water mm-hmm. how it flows down the paths of least resistance how it can be very forceful in some areas and yet very calm in others right and it's taoism works very well into when we then find some principles of buddhism and zen even um with ideas like a bowl is most useful when it is empty. Mm. So emptiness is in itself something incredibly yeah. useful, right? This is a concept that finds a home in Buddhism as well, and particularly in Zen Buddhism, which is a, cha- a Japanese interpretation of Buddhism as taught by Bodhidharma. Mm. Bodhidharma was an Indian Buddhist who ventured through China and is credited with teaching the first precepts of Kung Fu and Shaolin. Hmm. And that's like where the Shaolin tradition descends from. Mm-hmm. And it's it, so interesting to me that martial arts, this style of martial arts came from Buddhism. Yeah, it's observing nature and acting like it, mm-hmm. right? That's the original kind of way of looking at things. And then that same concept, when it makes contact with Japan, it finds a home in Zen Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And then Zen Buddhism feeds very nicely into samurai culture, and it gets interpreted that mm-hmm. way, especially in feudal Japan. But anyway, now we've kind of given you a, a kind of overview of the world's philosophy, and this, these philosophies, they feed into a lot of our modern interpretations. When you see massively popular influencers telling you very honestly obvious things. Yeah. Work hard and you'll succeed. That's that's what I like. Struggle. If you want your dream to come true, you have to work for it. Yeah. These are things that our influencers tell us yeah. as if they're the bright new idea. It's like, no, people have been saying this for hundreds of years. Yeah, like Ryan Holiday, the Daily Stoic guy, his book is called The Obstacle is the Way. And all he's doing, essentially, from what, I, from what I've heard, is summarizing all the Stoic stuff. Particularly, I think obstacle is the way is a Marcus Aurelius thing, too. Probably. Yeah. Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman, I think he was an emperor at one point. Yeah. Too. Yeah. All right. So let's dig into our list of yeah. um, the most popular pieces of self-help advice. But at the very top of this list, I want to add my own addition. Number zero on our list. Know what you want. Mmm. Know what you want. Um... This can mean a number of things. Set goals, or at least visualize your dream. Yeah. Think about it. I was thinking the other day, actually I was just joking with you, about imagine us in the future, we're doing so well with this (laughs) podcast, we're in a limousine, we're in sport coats, we're shaking a bottle of champagne. Just think about those items. The sport coats, the Rolexes, the limousine, (laughs) the bottle of champagne. Yeah. Imagine money was no object. That you had all the money to do this. Yeah. You still have to call a bunch of places and rent a limo. Yeah. Where are you going with the limo? What kind of champagne do you want to get? Yeah. What sort of champagne do you think you'll like? 
How about a Rolex? Do you like one that looks like this or one that looks like this? <laughs> when you're just shopping for items, you are visualizing ideas or visualizing what you want and seeing how this item is going to apply to you, right? Yeah. In fact, when you fail to visualize something like that, especially in a store, you end up impulse buying. Yeah. That's huge. It's like going into the grocery store hungry without a list. Yeah. You spend right? way too much and you get a bunch of crap that doesn't mix. I My Instagram saved is mostly fun-looking products that I'll probably never <laughs> buy, but I just find them fun. I saw the other day it was like you can replace the trucks on your skateboard with essentially a long ski. And so you can kind of skateboard on mountains and stuff yeah. and you tether it to yourself, right? Or another gun-related one was like a salt gun for getting bugs. And it looked like a modern shotgun, but it mm. shoots salt so that you can kill bugs. <laughs> which is hilarious. But yeah, I mean, impulse buying can be met with the right kind of marketing to sell a product. Yeah. Right? But the point being, know what you want. Mm -hmm. Visualize the th your dream. At least come up with a dream. Yeah. At least think of where would you like to be in mm -hmm. five years, right? That's the very popular interview question. Where do you want to see, where do you see yourself yeah. in five years? I've been thinking about that one a lot because I realized a while back that I was like, I have not once in my life had a five-year plan. I haven't even had a one-year plan. Maybe I've had a one-year plan. No, I really haven't. I've had maybe a few months plan. It's like, I want to get that thing or I want to do that thing. But it's like... It's never more than a couple months. And I really thought about it. I'm like, okay, just actually coming up with what could I feasibly achieve in five years? So it's like, I've looked back at my life. What have I gotten in the last five years? I've actually made quite a bit of progress being aimless, <laughs> relative, relatively aimless. It's like, okay, film industry job. That's about it. And so I kind of just went with the flow of that and I've made it here. But beyond that, I didn't have a, okay, I want to be at this specific company and get this specific job. I want to have this title. I yeah. be making this much money. All I, I knew really is here. that I wanted to be in post-production and I wanted to live in the city. Yeah. And even with those vague goals, with talking to other people and looking at whatever systems are in place, I've been able to achieve that. But I had those goals, even if they were vague, of post-production and city. Well, I've got both of those. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, one, failing upwards is a thing. Yeah. So even if you aren't aimless and you just keep plugging away yeah. whatever you're doing, you're going to get good at that thing. Yeah. And then you can find your way upwards even if you didn't have a plan. You can start with the dream, but then actually kind of put together what you actually want to do. Because some people go, I want to be rich. Yeah. Rich doing what? Yeah. Why also, do you want to be rich? The, yeah. Yeah. Why do you want to be rich? Also, when money's the goal, you're never going to have enough. Because what is rich to you? Is it... Because rich to other people is us. I love that story about the fisherman. About this business guy goes up to a fisherman. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, Oh, you're fishing right now? Well, you know, if you charged a little bit more for the fish that you're selling, you could store some of that money and then buy a bigger boat and mm -hmm. a nicer rod. And then you can hire other people to help you fish and more rods, bigger boats. Next thing you know, you're got a huge boat you're casting wide nets and you're catching a lot of fish and you're mm -hmm. selling and making a giant profit now you got a big fishery company now you can expand and do other things you can get multiple boats multiple locations multiple teams and then you're making a lot more money and then what are you going to do with all that money you're going to retire and then fish <laughs> <laughs> so it's like well isn't the you could just skip a few steps if you know what you want yeah 
you can actually get, you can figure out how you actually get there. You have, you can set the goal, but only if you really know where you want to be. You yeah. can't just say, I want to be rich. Yeah. So rich doing what? Yeah. Cause that, that's the thing. And like, there's this book, I want to say it's the wealthy barber. It's something like that. And this guy's main advice. One of the things he talks about is that he made himself coffee every morning because he found, oh, I don't want to spend money at Starbucks or anything. So he would just make himself coffee. Whereas he'd say, it's like, okay, if I make myself coffee, but you spend money at Starbucks or something, you're spending five or $6 that I'm not spending. So you could save that up. But then he finished that point with, but if what you want is the Starbucks experience, go to Starbucks and get that experience. Right. It's like, have that aim. Know where you want to go and where you're going to be spending or, or putting in your effort. We're going to dig back into this with some healthy habits yeah. a little bit later. But, you know, there's even, if you know what you want, right, you can decide, I want the coffee mm-hmm. or I want the Starbucks experience. Yeah. But if you don't know what you want and you're just going to Starbucks. Yeah. Because you think it's the easiest thing. Yeah. Or because for whatever, you're just stuck in that habit. Mm-hmm. You can find yourself down a bad place that could actually take you further away from the things you do know you want. Which right? it does. If you want to be rich, do you want to be rich while continuing to spend this money at Starbucks? Because this is a different... It's like then cut out something else. Yeah. Because like, there's like, bound to be... Yeah, there's bound to be something you can cut out. That's that's my other piece of advice. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, take one small step. Mm-hmm. So we talked about knowing what you want can involve setting goals and... The goals themselves, like you just break down those things into small and small. Yeah, that's essentially what this whole thing is. Like get your aim and now break that whole process down into steps. If I, my goal is to get to the top of a mountain. Mm -hmm. Okay, now that I know where it is, I can actually chart it. I could say, okay, the mountain is five kilometers to the top. Okay. I can break each of these kilometers down one kilometer. Okay. I can't make it all the way up to the top. But today, I can go 500 meters up and then 500 meters back down. Yeah. That's one kilometer. Okay, now I'm going to keep practicing that until I have the cardio and the physical fitness to go up one kilometer. And then next thing I know, I'm two kilometers. Yeah. Right? So when you figure out where your goal is, you can chart the way there. And now you can break that way up, that path into smaller, smaller steps until you figure out, okay, what is the one small step I need to take today to push things forward? Yeah. Right? Because even like you were saying with the whole limousine image, it's, well, now you want to climb this mountain. So the first thing you need is climbing gear. Well, how do you get that? You need a job to make money so you can get it. And it's, yeah, it's like breaking down all those steps. Or even, if like even further down to make your bed in the morning. To do with the limousine image. Yeah. Google how much a limousine costs. Boom. How much does a limousine <laughs> rental cost? Yeah. Okay, now that I know how much that costs and I look at how much I have in the bank, right? How often can I afford to rent a limousine with my friends? <laughs> Let's see how much a Gucci sport coat costs. You know yeah. like, Just start looking this stuff up. Make yourself excited about acquiring these things. <laughs> it makes this it, is obviously very materialist, but yeah, but yeah. it's 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 a baseline because once you actually give something a name, it becomes real. Yeah, a name and, and a number. Yeah, it's numbers like, are very important. Yeah, because it's like okay, well, how many times do you want to rent a limo? Take one small <laughs> step. One. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to take all thousand. It's like start. Start brushing your teeth. Yes. Start doing that properly. You just you don't have to become. You don't, if you're trying to get fit, if you're trying to lose weight, you're not going to lose 40 pounds in a day. 
Yeah. But you can challenge yourself to be like, okay, I'll make enough healthy decisions to lose one yeah. pound. That's the thing you always hear about weight loss is it's a lifestyle change. Yeah. And that's where take one small step matters. Like, okay, what is the healthy lifestyle? Look at that and go, what aspect of that am I actually willing to do a small part of? Then do that small part thing. It's like start integrating that into your life. So when five years comes, you now have a healthy lifestyle because you've integrated this one little thing. And then after that, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Now, maybe number two should actually come before taking one small step mm. because number two is change your mental maps. Yeah. This means a number of different things, right? This is, again, charting the course. Mm -hmm. But if you're stuck and you find yourself on the brink of poverty and you are not examining the way that you are spending your... Ha like, for instance, your spending habits, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe you find yourself depressed and you're constantly gaining weight and you feel like you're stuck in it. Sometimes what you need to do is figure out a way to step outside of your way of thinking so you can gain some perspective. Mm -hmm. Gain some perspective and look at the way things are, right? Don't just look... You know, if we're talking about the limousine idea, don't just look at, you know, these Instagram influencers or whatever or celebrities who are in the limousines and go, oh, I wish I had one. That's being stuck. Mm -hmm. Change your mental map. Google how much that costs. Yeah. Right. Gain some information. Yeah. What is this person actually doing? Learn. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, there is this book called The Tao of Wu mm -hmm. that is written by uh, the RZA. Hmm. who is the found, one of the founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan. And he talks about some of um, the 12 jewels, right? Or the 12 rules. 12 jewels. Mm -hmm. I think they're called the 12 jewels of Islam or something. The first one is knowledge. The second is wisdom. The third is understanding. He does them in threes. Mm -hmm. The first one is oh, knowledge okay. because you have to learn. You have to gain the information, take it in, listen and observe as mm -hmm. much as possible. Don't just stop where you're thinking. If you see something you like, figure out where it came from. Figure out how to get it. Take in the information. Yeah. The second step is wisdom, right? Now that you have gained the perspective, consider it. Mm -hmm. The third is understanding. Because once you have applied wisdom to knowledge, you now understand the situation, mm. right? Now that I see a million dollars, I want a million dollars. I do my research. I take in the knowledge of what do people have to do to make a million dollars? What kind of businesses can I run? Now, let me apply wisdom. Let me consider what I can actually do to meet what I've learned, mm -hmm. to put my path on that. And now that I understand what that path looks like, I'm actually more capable of getting a million dollars, right? Or climbing a mountain or losing weight or any of these things, mm -hmm. right? So you change your mental map can mean a number of different things but in that same in that sense we can see that it means learning observing it means considering things it means stepping outside of the way that you were thinking about it before mm -hmm. and trying to gain perspective on the situation if it's a social situation and somebody's mad at you gaining perspective doesn't mean reacting to what they're talking about gaining perspective on the situation can mean consider their point of view mm -hmm. right why are they mad at you is it because of something you actually did or just the way they're feeling at the moment did you do something that was particularly offensive to them and not think about it mm -hmm. what can you do in the future to uh, prevent that 
do you actually need to spend your time around this person, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Change your mental map, gain perspective on the situation, learn and observe, and then start taking small steps, mm-hmm. you know, work towards the goal, the thing you want. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, actually, because as much as I've done a whole lot of, you know, self-help, um, research, I don't know, listening to Jocko Willink. <laughs> Reading, um, looking at Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I had Jocko, Jordan Peterson, Alan Watts, and all that stuff. Th- I, think I, agree, I think I agree that rule number two should be rule number one. Because as much as I've, I know a whole lot about this stuff, and I understand it, I have not implemented borderline any of it in years. Because I haven't changed essentially that mental map of okay, I actually have to do this, not just know about it. It's like knowing about it doesn't do anything. Yeah. You have to act. Yes. Yeah. I can be the wisest person in the world, but if I still react emotionally to everything everybody tells me, yep. I'm going to seem like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, sure, I know a whole lot of things about how to make my life better, but I don't do any of them. Number three, struggle is good. Scary mm. is good. If we go back to that idea of climbing the mountain, you can take the first hundred steps, you can climb up one of these steep hills on your way, and it'll be a struggle, especially if it's not something you normally do. Mm-hmm. Recently, I was hiking up Seymour, and there was a lot of areas where I was like pushing myself because I was doing it in the snow to like scramble up these icy hills Mm -hmm. and barely make it to the top and like be panting and literally almost (laughs) on all fours of hands and knees. I'm like trying to catch my breath and push myself up to like keep going. The struggle of it actually kind of made it fun. Mm -hmm. But the thing that you know about the struggle is that you're actually beginning to, when you're meeting resistance, it's because you are one of two things. You're either going the wrong way or you're going (laughs) the right way. And that seems very confusing, but there's a difference. There's a difference between yeah. hitting a brick wall and pushing through a bush. Yeah. Right? There's a difference between falling off a cliff and climbing up a hill. Yeah. Right? Two different types of resistance. One of them tells you you're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm meeting a specific type of resistance, right? When you're lifting something heavy, you can feel yourself pull a muscle and you can feel yourself work a muscle. Yeah. There's right? a huge difference between muscle soreness from dang, that was a good workout, and shoot, my bicep is busted. I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In that kind of sense, right? I mean, I've been working out pretty hard. I can tell the difference now between I'm feeling sore because I did a hard workout or something is wrong, I need to stretch more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The other part to it, scary is good. Mm-hmm. It's, I speak on stage quite frequently. Mm-hmm. I remember the first times I did it, I was like, oh, no. What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I'm about to walk out in front of all these people and say this thing. Yeah. But it's rewarding to kind of do something that scares you a little mm-hmm. bit. At the very least, you could figure out this is not for me. Yeah. Right? What I remember in high school, I watched a parkour documentary. And this guy, the whole thing is like he's jumping over all this crap. And he says, there's always fear. And the thing is that... With fear, what it is, it's essentially your body and mind telling you there is danger here. But it's not saying, don't do this. You're going to die. It's like, yeah, sure, sometimes that's out there, but that's that's different from fear. 
that's shoot I'm actually gonna die that is terrifying but this one is there is a level of danger going on and I should be aware of that because now I can take it into account and then I can move forward with that it's like with that in mind if you're speaking on stage in front of people and you're nervous yeah yeah yeah, of course you're nervous. You're yeah. going to be in front of a bunch of pairs of eyes, <laughs> and they will, to some degree, judge what you do. Mm-hmm. So if you do something that's completely erratic or wild or dumb, yeah, you will be judged. There's a reason for you to be nervous, mm-hmm. but there's a reason why you're going on stage in the begin with, right? You're going in front of these people to give a presentation, to give a talk, to tell yeah. a joke, something. You're demonstrating something of yourself. Of course you're going to be nervous. Yeah. The other ha- The other half of that that's interesting is that as much as people are going to judge what what you do and say up there, they also expect you to be up there. So if you just back out and say, no, I'm not doing it, they they judge you even more for that. It's like there's worse consequences for not facing that fear. Let's remove even the crowd situation. Yeah. Hiking up the mountain. Yeah. Right? I was on my way up, and I look up at one point. The wind had picked up and started carrying the snow, and I looked up, and it was like a wall of white. Mm. And heavy winds were blowing towards me. Scary. Not scary to the point that, oh, I should turn back. But scary to the point that we're like, okay, this last stretch is going to be difficult. Yeah. Appropriately. You know, better snuggle up a little bit. Better get those pocket warmers ready and all that stuff. <laughs> and keep going. Yeah. Right? But it was also rewarding. Now, if I had decided to turn back at that point, I would have just wasted a lot of time. Because mm-hmm. I didn't make it all the way to the top. Yeah, maybe there was some been benefit to like, oh, I at least made it halfway up the mountain. Now yeah. I can go home, but um, the peak's right there. I can yeah. make it, right? So persevere, struggle. Yeah. It's good to struggle a little bit, not just because like if your life is comfortable, that's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's so dangerous because comfort, no matter who you are, will corrupt you. Yep. Right? You'll get into it. I need to have a piece of chocolate after dinner. Yeah. Right? Even though it's sugary and bad for me. You can get stuck in bad habits. And Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about health afterwards. But it's not just eating. It's I need to sit down and watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. Right? Struggle a little bit. Do something hard. Not just physically hard. Maybe even mentally hard. Solve a Rubik's Cube or something like (laughs) that. I don't like challenge yourself. Yeah. One thing that's interesting, the whole idea of it's like, oh, I need this comfort. One thing I say to myself whenever I catch myself in that of I really want this or I need this. It was there's this one verse in the Bible that I really like. It's talking about fasting. And I think I believe it's Paul that says, I am no worse off if I do not eat. And I am no better off if I do eat. Ultimately, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. The cheeseburger did not alter your life yeah. that dramatically. Yeah. And in fact, you might have spent money and gained calories from it, and it wasn't even that good. Yeah. And We're going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to the health talk in a minute, but I want to keep going <laughs> with this list. Yeah. Um, number four, instant judgment is bad. Hmm. We talked about this before, and you were telling me something that you learned, even in the first episode. Uh, You were talking to me about how one of the biggest Stoic philosophies is learning not to be so reactive Hmm. to things. That's the the idea. There's a difference between a reaction, reacting and responding. Yes. Because reaction is when it's like you do something out of like instinct or reflex. You're not even thinking. You just do it. It just happens. You just say it. You just act that way. You just do that thing. Or even 
my friend, he makes some music sometimes and he's got this one line that I, I really like. He said, making choices out of habit. Mm-hmm. Even, not even to a flash situation, you, you react to being in a day. You go through your regular routine without even thinking about it. You're reacting to it to the day. It's like, okay, I react to waking up. My reaction to waking up is I'm going to stay under these covers warm for the next hour and a half. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing it. And it feels like there's some sort of rule. Okay, now it's 8.30. I need to get up. It, this is when I get up. It's like, no, 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 no. That's just reacting. I can reason. Literally, I can just get up whenever I want. Even with, whenever I don't want, because I don't want to get up that morning. Well, I can, I can anyways. There's no, the actual response would be thinking, okay, it's the morning. I have work and I need to prepare. If I have more time to do that, that's better. That's better for me. And I like it better when I have more time. So even though I don't like the idea of getting up and now I'm cold and I have to do things, even though I'm tired, the, the response would be to think, Okay. If I go to sleep at a reasonable time, I can wake up at a reasonable time. Yeah. I will have more time in my day to do useful things. And I will ultimately feel better about myself for having done those useful things. Exactly. And it all starts with going to bed at a reasonable time. Yeah. That is a response. Let's go back to the example of somebody says something negative to you. Yeah. Your reflex, a negative way of thinking, might cause you to react by also saying something negative. Yeah. That's not always wrong. But sometimes it's just something we get caught up in. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily useful for us to engage this yeah. in this conflict right now. One thing I was actually thinking earlier while I was grabbing those coffees for us, there was this girl in line who she held the door open for me. I was like, oh, thank you. And then she goes in line and I go in line right behind her. And I, I went through a scenario in my head of what if I started talking to her with the intention of getting her number, something like that. And... My immediate response is that as soon as I start, my immediate thought is that as soon as I start talking to her, she's going to stop me dead in my tracks, say, I've got a boyfriend or something, or like, I'm not interested. I just held the door open for you, man. Chill out. And my my response to her in my head in this imaginary conversation was, whoa, whoa, I'm just talking. Calm down. And it's, and I realized like, why is my response to lie and try and convince her my intention wasn't what it was? What if I just go, what if I had just laughed and said, ha okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> just considering, yeah. you know what the thing I, I love, I've heard this piece of advice is that you can always take a second. Mm-hmm. Somebody asks you a question, you can take a second to think about it, to yeah. stop yourself from reacting negatively and rather considering the situation, you know. Um, and they but, actually like it more. People love to take clips of Thomas Shelby from... Um, Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. because he's kind of a charismatic character. And one of the things he's always doing is silently pausing <laughs> and looking around the room before answering a question. Mm-hmm. Because he's taking the time to think about it, but it's also lending more value to what he will eventually say. <laughs> right? It's a dramatic pause. Instead of getting emotionally invested and wrapped up in, you know, if I'm in a stressful situation and the heart rate's up there, and you know, I'm thinking about these stressful things all day, and I'm in a negative headspace, and then somebody asks me a question that says, we have a little piece of more work to do, and I scowl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, god damn. I gotta go through this again? That's, if you just stop and went, oh, okay, it actually turns out that thing that they're asking me to do 
is a lot easier than it sounds. Yeah. And I might not even have to do it if I just point something out. Yeah. Right. That happened the other day. It was um, someone was like, hey, can you put all these in bullet format or something? Piece of copy that I had written at work. Mm-hmm. And they be like, hey, can you turn this into a list? I, I was going to get like, hey, I really don't have time to mm-hmm. help you right now. I'm doing six other things. I really need to focus on this. I don't have time to run to this other room and look at this thing. But I was like, just see what it is. Yeah. So I got up. I was like, okay. And I went over to that room and I looked at it and went, it's already in the list. <laughs> it's already in the list. That was, was one of the funny things that happens every once in a while. It's like people don't actually read what you give them. <laughs> Even though they asked you to do it. Yeah. It's so many times they have like, it, it, it's so funny. Like so many times a boss will ask me, Hey, can you just put it in this format? And I'll be like, okay. So that's like actually not change anything that was written. Yeah. Just yeah. make it look a little bit different. Yeah. Even just so that they can see the, the way they want to see it, which is fine. Yeah. Fine. Right. Even if they did want me to change right, that's kind of my job, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> the point being, if I took the time to think, I took a breath, mm-hmm. I took a second and just went, let's see what it is. Let's apply that idea of changing yeah. the mental map and give myself the space to observe what yeah. the situation is. Instead of requires. just assuming you knew what everything was and it was the way you didn't want it and rea- and exploding. Now, there was something you said at the beginning, which is sometimes a reaction can be instinctive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think instinct is wrong because we look at the way like nature disposes us to have these instincts for a reason. Yeah. If my instinct is to jump backwards when I see something coming at me, yeah. That's a healthy thing to do. Yeah, it's a different sort of instinct I'm thinking of. Like what exactly what you just talked about. Your instinct was, I don't have time, go away. But instead, you responded and go, let's see what it is. Yes. Because your instinct is to assume I already know what it is, and it's not the thing I have time for, so I'm not going to do it. But it turns out you didn't know what it was, and you did have time for it, so you did it. You've mentioned a couple times Jocko, and we've, I think, mentioned him on the podcast altogether a number yeah. of times, but he's a military guy, Navy SEAL, and one of the things he always likes to talk about is tactics versus strategy. Yes. Sometimes your reaction can be tactical. Mm-hmm. It can be useful for you to react to something and be ready to react to something in a situation, right? Yeah. That's an, an interesting point, too, is being ready to react. Yeah. Because your reaction, then, if you're ready for it, that is technically a response. Yeah. A response is something strategic. You plan this out beforehand. It yeah. wasn't, hey, I saw this coming at me, so I jumped. It was, if they come at me from this direction, I will jump. Yeah. Right? So observe what you're doing and see if it measures up to your long-term strategy or your short-term tactics. Mm-hmm. Or are you doing this without thinking at all? Yeah. And if that is the situation, are you predisposed to do something negative mm-hmm. in that situation? It takes a little bit of self-examination. Yeah. Right? Am I just yelling because somebody's stressing me out right now? Or am I yelling because they can't hear me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Or because, hey, that's I need to be able to get some control over this room. I need to raise my voice. Because even if somebody does raise their voice at you, they might not be aware how angry they sound. So you can go, hey, could you like say that in a little nicer of a tone? And they go, oh, sorry, I didn't even know. Because people don't even realize what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, like if somebody does yell at you, if your first reaction is to scowl or look like hey, yeah. you're attacking me, that might predispose them to be like, OK, we're in the conflict now. Let yeah. me yell more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One stoic bit I like in regards to um, being attacked by somebody is you are not harmed until you believe you are harmed. So if somebody yells at you, 
and you immediately believe they have attacked me, they are mad at me, this is bad for me, they have inflicted something on me, then they have. But if you go, this person's just yelling, their voice is at a higher volume, they are looking at me, then you're not harmed. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like a very Zen way of looking at the world like we were talking about, which if you get, you're walking from your car to your office and it starts raining on you very heavily, Mm -hmm. you could be like, dang, I'm wet now. All my clothes are drenched. This is ruining my day. Yeah. Or you can just be like, it's raining. And when I walk into the office, people will see me and know that it has rained. (laughs) So what? (laughs) I remember a comedian. I saw a clip of a comedian talking about that. He's like, People love being wet, except when it comes from the sky. (laughs) You're like, you go to the beach, you go to the pool, you go to the shower, whatever. But as soon as it rains, ah. (laughs) I don't, so what? Yeah. We live in Canada. It rains all the time. (laughs) All right. Let's look Mm. at, oh, the next one. Another piece of stoic philosophy. Mm. Remember you will die. Oh. Memento Mori. This one is so good. Is the Latin version. Oh, let me kind of go into this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this ancient Roman philosophy. So the Roman generals who led their armies of the empire when they were expanding Rome, much like a lot of other countries today, was built on going to war, getting resources, bringing those resources back, making everybody rich, and that's how we fuel the empire to keep getting bigger. Which means we have to keep fighting wars. So these generals would go out and they were like the heroes of the Roman Empire because they would lead these armies, they would be victorious over the, their battles and come back. And that's where the word triumph comes from. Hmm. The word triumph is the name of the parade that they would throw the generals when they returned. Hmm. The triumph would be a massive party and parade. We'd celebrate the generals, we'd throw flowers everywhere. That's when they would auction off the things the generals brought back, whether it was slaves or whether it was goods or whatever. And, you know, these generals would become very full of themselves. And that can affect the way you're thinking. If you're like, I'm a god. Mm -hmm. I am immortal. I will always be victorious. So to curb this, what they started to do is they would have a noble or a servant hired specifically to follow these generals around (laughs) and tell them, remember, you will die. Memento mori. So... How does this apply in your regular everyday life? Well, Jordan Peterson talks about this sometimes. He says, consider whether your action is expedient or meaningful. Mm. Expedient would mean that it was useful for you in the short term. It's expedient if I'm hungry to eat a granola bar. Mm -hmm. It might not be meaningful if I look at the nutritional facts and see, okay, this granola bar actually is packed with carbs and sugar. Yeah. Maybe I should eat something like a banana instead. Mm -hmm. It's a little, you know, less sugar, but also will give me energy. Yeah. Right? Consider whether sitting down and watching this Netflix episode is expedient or meaningful. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more meaningful for you to spend that time unwinding doing something else, like playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Right? As much as we would love to unwind by watching some Netflix, it might be useful for you to do something a little bit more meaningful. Yeah. Right? Remember You Will Die, Memento Mori, is a way to apply that in the actions that you're taking in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. You remember that you're going to die. Remember that your time is finite. Remember that your life, if it is so finite, should have some impact. Mm-hmm. should be meaningful. should be good at least. Right? So do something to make it good. Yeah. So that when you're looking back at the end, you can be proud of the life that you lived and the world that you lived in. Yeah. You know, you can go without regret. On your deathbed, 
Nobody says, man, I wish I made another grand. What they want that would is... Be me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish I traded that. <laughs> if only I tra- bought that one Bitcoin more. <laughs> if only I sold those ExxonMobil stocks. <laughs> <laughs> what people generally want is to be with their friends and family one more time. It's like, that's what people want. What was meaningful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can break it down to that bare bones. They don't want what's expedient. They want what was meaningful. I wish I had more meaning in my life. It's, I mean, that's one, that is definitely the way, right? Expediency and meaningfulness. Mm-hmm. The other way is the way that the Roman generals needed it, which is curb your pride. Yeah. Right? Remember, you're going to die. You're just a mortal like everybody yeah. else. We have a tendency, especially, you'll see it a lot with popular influencers. Like, I don't know, Andrew Tate's a great example. He self-pathologizes. He has to tell himself, I'm the hero of the story. Mm. And, you know, if you look at The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he does the same exact thing. He has to do the same exact thing because he is his own brand, Mm. right? So he has to get up every morning and go, I'm the hero. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do things. I also got to remember to be humble. Mm -hmm. I also got to remember I'm a mortal. I'm going to die, right? That's the difference between Andrew Tate and Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson, we like him because in the right places he is humble. Mm-hmm. Andrew Tate's not humble. No. Or at least we don't see him that way a lot of the yeah. time, right? <laughs> He'll come out there being like, I am the hustler. I made these millions of dollars. Like he, I did these things. He straight up said he's got he's one of God's favorites. Yeah. It's like come ch- chill out. You have to <laughs> to some degree, you're right. You do have to self-pathologize. You have mm. to treat yourself like you are the hero of your own story and the main character so that you're well, motivated you to, are. to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do something. Yeah. You can't just be the M- NPC. Yeah. You can't treat yourself like that. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, if your ego is starting to get too big and it's starting to get in the way of other things and the, your lack of humility, why much like Andrew Tate's situation, is starting to put people off from you, Consider you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Consider you are immortal just like everybody else. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you lived 10 years or 50 years or 80 years. Yeah. Or if you had a six pack when you died or if you were 300 pounds. <laughs> Remember, you're going to die anyway. Yeah. So you're just like every other human being. And you can use that to be humble. Mm-hmm. And you can, again, use that to make your time meaningful. Mm-hmm. Be playful. Oh, number six is be playful. This is one bit of Alan Watts talk that I really like. That's another person we love to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Even though lately I see more and more that I dislike him. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm mostly fascinated with the way he talks because and I suppose that's Eastern in general. Anyways, um, the whole idea he he talks about. The example he uses is the seven-day week and the Sabbath, the day of rest. He's like, so there's six days of work and then one day where you do whatever you want. And he equated that to one-seventh of your life should be play, should be playful, should be different and wacky and wild from the rest of it. It's like one-seventh. It's not a lot, but it's still there. It's like you can't always be the serious adult that has to get things done. Sometimes you need to be the playful adult that goes down the slide. When I hear about play, I think about neuroplasticity, Hmm. about your mind's flexibility. 
right? I was thinking about this even as I was taking my vacation recently. Mm-hmm. You gotta, and this relates to changing your mental map, right? Changing your perspective on something. Mm-hmm. Take a break from the thing that you're doing all the time so that you can play a little bit. Mm. Kind of give yourself freedom to change the way you're thinking about something. You're taking yourself as a serious adult all the time. The reason why we play is so that we can actually do new things. Mm-hmm. Because the serious adult who works in the factory has to do the same thing a hundred times a day. Yep. When he goes home and plays, whether that's the Xbox or, I don't know, cards with friends or something, you're giving yourself freedom to just, you know, let your mind work. Mm-hmm. Let your mind uh, recycle. Let your mind shift through the things that you think about normally or consider different values play itself in the sense that you're giving yourself a break is quite important but Mm -hmm. also important in the the sense that you just need to be able to give yourself you need to allow your mind to stretch yeah and be flexible so that you can handle something when it comes up to you or so that you don't like stretching does for you so you don't cramp up Mm -hmm. so that you don't you know have a seizure or a heart attack (laughs) because you've been doing the same thing every day and not giving yourself any breathing room. But also in the sense that like when you're thinking about new ideas, new ideas can come to us a lot more often when we're free than when we're trapped. Yeah. Right. In the same, although we tend to say that, you know, ideas can be born out of necessity Mm -hmm. that if you are trapped, you will have to force yourself to come up with a way to escape. Mm -hmm. You can only do that if you give yourself the freedom to think of that new idea. Yeah. Right. When I think about North Korea, in North Korea, everybody's like the way Yanmi Park talks about it. Mm. Everybody's so hungry all the time that they're just thinking about the next meal. Yep. They're not thinking about how can I elevate the way I'm living my life. Yeah. Right. They're trapped in that mindset. Mm -hmm. They have no time to play. When you play, you're free. You can think about the other things. That's one of the things that comfort is supposed to do for you. It's supposed to give you the freedom to consider mm-hmm. and to think and to have fun because fun is one of the best ways to discover new ideas. Yeah. A lot of people like to rag on Elon Musk, um, but I think one of the cool things about the way he operates is that he's always thinking, what's the new fun thing I can do? Yeah. How can I play with the idea? Yeah. Right? Does the Tesla need another cup holder? Can I put a Nintendo in the dashboard? Yeah. You know, like, what can I do that's fun? Mm-hmm. Because that fun idea can enable me to do other cool stuff. Think, okay, if I'm going to put a Nintendo in here, it means I have to put on the space in the dashboard for controls, or at least I have to find a sleek way to store those controls in there. It means I have yeah. to support the screen and the software and the hardware that's yeah. going to enable that. You can't and just duct tape it. If I can put a Nintendo in here, now that play idea is telling me, what if I can put a whole computer in there? Yeah. What if I can enable a lot more functionality and it all came from this idea that I just want to play? Yeah. Right? Even he, in his marketing, he calls the Tesla the fun machine. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't think of it that, like, that's interesting to me, right? It's born out of this play idea. Like, apparently the Tesla can dance. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it can dance because it, they gave it the ability to drive itself. Yeah. And so they, to demonstrate that, they play by coordinating a dance routine that the Tesla goes into so mm-hmm. they can do a hundred Teslas can have a ballet in a parking lot. And like, how fun is that? That uh, must have been a, had a, they must have had a great time coding that and doing all the work for that. It's like artwork. Yeah. Right. You're giving yourself room to think. Yeah. The freedom to come up with new ideas mm-hmm. and to apply them creatively. And in doing that, 
we can tap into something really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I guarantee you that when the programmers were coming up with this whole ballet routine, they had to consider the Tesla's parameters in terms of being to able to drive itself. And they came across areas where, oh, hang on. The Tesla can't see other Teslas when it's backing up like this. Hmm. So we have to put another sensor to cover this degree of motion. Yeah. Right? So that we don't end up with a collision in this ballet. Hmm. And also, later on when you're driving, you're going to be thankful they came up with that. Which they found while they were playing. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I like in regards to play, this might not be the exact same thing, but I think it does have something to do with it. Jordan Peterson talking about the idea that an element of mastery is when you can play with a thing. So like you see a master guitar, like Jimi Hendrix or something. Yeah. Dude, he's having a great time whenever he's playing. He's not focusing. He's it's like he, he'd reached a point where he was no longer focusing on the guitar itself. He's whipping around and playing. And you find it's like, I've found many times, like when you get better at something, you can start you can more easily do the actual task itself. So you start thinking of things to do around that. It's like, what can I do? It's like, okay, let me do this on one foot. For example, it's like, okay, you mastered playing the guitar while sitting down. Okay, well, let's stand up. Well, that's easy enough. You just put the strap on. Well, let's do it on one foot. Let's do it while jumping up and down. <laughs> let's do it while it's like, when I don't need to strum, I can just use some hammer-ons. Let's juggle in the other hand. I like that idea that play is mastery. Yeah. When I think about playing the guitar, it's like, okay, your first time strumming a chord or hitting a note is robotic. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to make sure you're pressing down on the string in the right way. You're yeah. fingering the fret in a particular way. You're hitting the notes. You're brushing your hands so that it sounds nicely. You're thinking about all these things. Yeah. When you're playing, when you're playing the guitar, you don't think about it that. It goes away. It goes away. You've mastered it by playing with it. Yeah. By giving yourself... When you look at Jimi Hendrix... It stopped being a robotic thing to him so long ago that him picking up guitar is just a means of expression. Yeah. Right? It's his medium of just putting himself out there. You know what is a great thing for that? I've been reading The Vagabond from Bo Musashi, and I've gotten to this point where this this Which idea... Is a graphic, sorry, it's a graphic novel series yeah. based on Musashi's life. Yes. Although a little bit fictionalized. Apparently it's... Ba- yeah, yeah. Apparently it's based on the book Musashi. Yeah. By someone true. else. <laughs> Which is itself also fictionalized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's based on his actual self-account. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so the idea that I've just come across, because they're talking about the way of the sword, and there's this quote, my sword is one with heaven and earth, so much so that the sword need not even be present. And so it's, it's like, that's Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. The guitar doesn't even have to be there for him to play guitar, for him to express himself like that. Yeah. It's like in, in you know, some spiritual metaphor. The guitar sense. is just an object. Yeah. It's just medium yeah, that we've like, added there. I've learned how to put my soul to you. Yeah. I've just used the guitar as a language yeah. to do that, right? And I guarantee it's like when you listen to Jimi Hendrix talk to people, there's an element he understands better how to express himself now or something. He There's got to be something there. I haven't mastered anything. So I don't really know, but it's something about that. It changes your whole life. I mean, when I was learning guitar, I was, I knew that I had mastered a scale that I learned Mm -hmm. because I started to play with it. Yeah. Because I started to have fun. Yeah. Right. So I went down E minor pentatonics and at first I'm like, what is this weird? It doesn't seem to cohere to a pattern when I'm going down, 
But then next thing I know, I'm going up and down the scale enough times that I can like start to repeat a few things mm-hmm. and start to play different patterns. And then I'm like, oh, I'm playing. Yeah. Right. This is how I know I've gotten it. Yeah. Gotten that particular scale is that play is mastery. Mm-hmm. It's freedom uh, to come up with new ideas. It gives your mind that chance to be a little bit, you know, wiggly, neuroplastic, yeah. right? <laughs> Which I mention neuroplasticity all the time but I'm sure I'm getting it wrong because neuroplasticity is just your ability, your brain's ability to learn new things Hmm. and you have more neuroplasticity when you're young, Mm -hmm. but also notice that when you're young, you love to play. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like (laughs) activate that in yourself by giving yourself the space to play with the idea and make play the goal. Let's get so good at doing this podcast and get good at like just knowing what the routine is of like setting up the mics Mm -hmm. and planning out what the notes are ahead of time that when we come in here, we just have a good time. Yeah. You play. Right? <laughs> I think we're getting there. Oh, yeah. Number seven is be useful to others. Hmm. <laughs> Do unto others. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Hill. Yeah. That Hank Hill is the first thing that comes to mind when it's be useful to others. Why is that? Be, solely what comes to mind is his quote from one episode where he looks... On his lawn. I think he's talking to Bobby probably, but he's essentially saying nobody appreciates the man who takes care of his lawn and his house and his property. But it's like he's his whole thing. It's like that's he's useful. And I've been watching uh, the Red Green show. It's this old Canadian thing. So freaking good. And they have this one segment called the, the Handyman Hour or something. And at the end of it, he says... If the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it kind of relates a little bit back to our idea of meaning. Yeah. Be meaningful, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And also to Memento Mori, where we talked about um, that people... You're just a person. Yeah. So be meaningful, not just to yourself, but to other people. Yeah. And I think that's where a really metaphysical, spiritual idea from Buddhism, and I guess christianity and other things is that it's like everybody is the same not in like a oh yeah i'm the same as you it's like no no no, i am you and you are me and we are god and that sort of thing and in christianity it's called the body of christ it's like what i do affects the christian in africa let me do the 180 of that yeah purely capitalist materialism (laughs) my favorite i can only sell you something by convincing you or finding a way to meet your wants and needs. Yeah. So I actually have to have something that you need or something that you want, something that is useful to you, mm-hmm. whether it is a good or a service, to sell it to you in the first place. Yeah. Right? We joke around. It's like, oh, sell me this pen. Yeah. Well, yeah. you need the pen. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you have to need the pen. You have yeah. to at least want the pen for me to sell it to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe I can make it, put it in a flashy commercial or something like that that shows you, hey, have you considered this pen? (laughs) But if you don't want or need the pen, I'm not going to make any money. Mm -hmm. I think getting closer to it, I think both of our ideas are kind of going around the point is more so there's an element to helping other people and being selfless that is ultimately more fulfilling and meaningful than doing things for myself. Because in my example, 
well, you're me, so I should treat me well. And in your example, well, I want money, so I'm going to sell you something. But either way, we have to meet somebody's needs. Yeah, but in the middle of that is, which I think is the point of this, is that there's some sort of social thing. There's something about being human where other humans are essentially more important than us and helping them is the most fulfilling thing we can do. Because I've heard that from a few different people. We talked a little bit in the We're It episode. Yeah. Where we were examining Tim's rant, Tim Dillon's <laughs> rant. Yeah. And that's another person we bring up all the time. Uh, where he's going on about, like, at the end of the day, you've ruined your life with materialism, and you found out that, <laughs> oh, I guess the thing that actually makes me happy is being part of something. Yeah. And being part of society and yeah. helping others and having a being meaningful... Being Hank Hill. Being Hank Hill. Selling propane. He's satisfied because he believes that propane is something people need. Yeah. And he meets their needs like a good capitalist. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true, but at yeah. the same time, he you wouldn't but it's be beyond satisfied. That. You could meet people's needs by cleaning toilets. Yeah. So there's a way to do it that you satisfy yourself and satisfy others. Yeah. By the way, there's nothing wrong with cleaning toilets. Not in the slightest. You should do it. It's not only should you. It's yeah, but it's like at my work, it's like, I'm not the janitor, but there is a janitor, and I am extremely appreciative of that janitor. Because I don't want to sit on the most disgusting toilet I've ever seen. When I was a kid in elementary school, uh, your grades one to three, we knew the janitor personally, Mr. Mm. Couteau, who would come in here and he would like empty out the trash and stuff like that. But we would say hi to him and the teacher would make a deal, big deal out of him coming over to the class and we'd all greet him mm. because it was good to know that that guy is one of the most useful people in this entire building. Yep. Probably more useful than the teacher. Yep. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> And it's important that we honor how useful he is. Mm -hmm. Being useful to others in your life can not only help you to find more meaning, but also can help you find purpose, right? And that if you're finding a way to help people, to give them something that they want or need, that's a purpose, Yeah. right? You might not become rich doing it. You might not even, you know, materially speaking, you might not be the best off yeah. doing it. But the purpose and the sense of meaning that it'll give you mm -hmm. is, like, priceless. I think one thing that's important around this is it's not just helping people, but it's also helping the right people. Because you can... It's important that they're honest and appreciative of what you've done. Because there are people, like... I think a good example is homeless people. It's like, how are you really helping them? It's like when a homeless guy asks you for a few bucks, you have no clue where that money is going. You have no clue what he's going to do with it. It's something like that sort of thing. It's it's arguably better. It's like get them get the information about like donate to some if sort I of charity. If I could clarify your example a little bit, yeah. it's activism. Activism in the sense that like, well, we have a lot of people who love to yell about social issues all day. Yeah. But it's not useful. Yeah. They're just taking up our attention. They're taking up our space. They're actually making yeah. us more stressed out. You're not useful when yeah. you're just screaming at me about global warming. But the, I mean, how many people in your glo in your climate activism work are coming back and telling you, hey, I'm really glad I'm doing this. Yeah. Have you actually been useful to other people? Yeah. Have you helped them clean up their local park? Or do you just like yelling on Twitter? Yeah. yeah it's like it's like the help you give somebody. I think it's important and it's most fulfilling and it, not just most fulfilling, but it's actually fulfilling. It's the fulfillment of this whole idea is that it actually goes towards something that works 
and does something and does actually help people. Let me give you a great example in, in regards to the activism. Yeah. We have hundreds of millions of people. Well, I, I don't want to exaggerate. We have a <laughs> lot of people on the internet who love to scream about racism all day yeah. and love to cancel people and like make them stressed out and be like, you're actually doing something racist when you don't look a black person in the eye. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Right. This isn't useful. This is making people more stressed out. And if anything, honestly, some people come out of that more racist. Yeah. But Daryl Davis, a black piano player mm-hmm. in the South who began to make friends out of neo-Nazis and white supremacists <laughs> to the point where they would turn in their robes and quit these organizations. And they began to start foundations where they help other members leave that. Love your enemies. Like he, what he's doing is immensely useful to people yeah because he's helping them escape this way of thinking yeah it makes a difference helping other people changes the world yeah i think there is something that we can there's a false sense of being useful to others when people hit like on your social media yeah yeah that doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. it's like hey sometimes they'll take the time to write a comment and be like thank you for opening my eyes to this yeah thank you for teaching me how to tie a knot yeah something like that but just hitting like sometimes that just means i saw it oh 100 <laughs> percent. Yep. like that's people would get in the early days of facebook or even now people are like you didn't hit like on my post does that mean you're not my friend anymore oh my gosh no <laughs> i just didn't see it yeah <laughs> it's like but what does that like mean to you anyway yeah that doesn't mean anything internet points it took all i did was i just tapped it yeah that was it I didn't actually like it was an accident. You know what? Oops. Untap. Hey, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'll go back and I'll unlike the other posts. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Be useful to others. Yeah. Know what you want and make sure it's useful to other people. <laughs> Number eight. Perfectionism equals procrastination. I was talking about this. Not this. No, I wasn't talking about something completely separate. Never mind. You were telling me the other day, because you're working on one of our videos that's coming out mm-hmm. pretty soon. And the more time that you spend with it, the more you want to make it perfect. Yes. But also, Not, you've been yeah. working on this video for quite a while. To your defense, there was other <laughs> things that came up. Life gets in the way. We yeah. all understand that. But can we really afford to be perfectionists when we should have put this out weeks ago? Well, that's the thing. It's like, I as, as I'm finishing this off, I'm thinking, oh, what if I did this? What if I did this? I could add this effect. I could do this thing. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, I could spend another year on this video. That Nobody cares about that. I do it with podcasts all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I will get so wrapped up in it that I'll try to cut out every time somebody says, um. Oof. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'll try to, every time somebody does one of these things, mm-hmm. I'll try to cut it out. And I'll get so wrapped up in making it perfect. It yeah. has to be the most perfect piece of audio. I have taken a 45-minute recording and cut it down to 10 minutes before. Dang. Just so that I had every perfect logical word that this girl said to me in a perfect flow. Yeah. And I ruined it. Mm. It was ruined because I took one thing. I missed the deadline of the assignment. Mm -hmm. And then it also kept none of the authenticity of me talking to her. Yeah. And that's extremely important. Yeah. It's it's an important lesson for me to learn is not to waste time being perfect. Because perfect is not a goal. Mm-hmm. Perfect is not a, you know, it's a dream. You can look at something and think, oh, wouldn't it be great if it was perfect? But perfect is robotic. Yeah. It almost doesn't exist in the human mind. It's actually 
going to the back to guitar playing when a guitar is perfect it actually sounds weird it's better to have those little vibrations that shouldn't shouldn't air quotes be there because your finger let up a little bit well it's like one of the reasons why we love jazz and blues yeah. and rock and roll and not many people listen to classical because they get yeah. bored of classical his classical is perfect uh, another great example there's no human face that's perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. And the human faces that are perfectly symmetrical, like if you see those mannequins or dolls, yeah. they freak us out. <laughs> it's unnatural. Yeah. It's better to be a little bit imperfect so that you're natural. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, and I've told this to you guys before when we're working on projects, perfect is not the aim. Good is the aim. Let's just make it good. Once yeah. it's good, we're good. Yeah. That's perfect. That's yeah. all we wanted. Good is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Not perfect. Because when you start saying, I want it to be perfect, you can spend forever tweaking yeah. and adjusting until the thing that you started with is not even at all what it is now. You know what's interesting about perfection that I've found when it comes to editing and coloring, and I'm sure this is literally everything in the world. I will make a cut or I'll make a color adjustment one day. I'll go home, come back. I'll look at it the next day and go, what am I thinking? Move it one frame over, tilt it one frame toward one bit towards green yeah. or whatever. And then I'll come back the next day. You know, what was I thinking? Move it back a frame, <laughs> tilt it towards magenta. <laughs> it's like, it's not just that perfection is a waste of time in that, oh, you'll never get it perfect. It's that there is no perfect. It's even funnier when like you tell, you adjust one thing and be like, okay, now I have to make it all look consistent. Yeah. Let me go through the whole thing and yeah. change all of it again. Right. That's the thing. What's interesting with color I've learned is that it doesn't actually matter so much that the whole image across the cut matches perfectly it's that the core elements match to a, a like 70 or 80 percent degree yeah as long as this person's skin is good then whatever else is around that you're looking at their face so you're there and you know the color color of someone's skin you know what that looks like so if you can get that 70 80 90 percent perfect then the rest of the image doesn't really matter. That can bump. It can sh shift colors. It's like, oh, the background is changing. Their shirt's changing color ever so slightly. doesn't matter. No you know one's going to notice. Is that sometimes we get caught up in this stuff because we're looking at it all day. Yeah. I'm listening to the same audio track like 10 times over until it's perfect. Yep. You're looking at the same video until like you're adjusting things that nobody's going to notice. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about that with film? I work on these movies and I do QC fixes. So we'll send out a movie and it comes back saying, hey, there's an actor's mark here. Please remove it. And I was doing this the other day and I was I, I realized I hit the zoom all the way out button. And I was zoomed in to like I was essentially removing about 10 pixels from the floor. <laughs> from the corner of a floor that nobody's looking at, I was removing about 10 or so pixels across this whole image. Yeah, something that if you're watching <laughs> it on TV or even in a movie theater, yeah. there's no way in hell you would have noticed yeah. it. I've removed actors' marks that are probably two pixels wide from under somebody's shoe that are the same color as the floor. Yeah, and the other part too is when I'm working with audio, I get wrapped up in things like somebody closed a door at this point in the recording and I have to <laughs> remove it. It's like yeah. when you listen back to it, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because either the mic didn't even pick it up yeah. or it was so minuscule that you would have to be listening for it to find it. Yeah, or I think another thing in regards to sound effects is that people understand what they are. Yeah. So if a door closes, a door closed. I was listening to Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle talk earlier, 
and in the recording, somebody moves the glass. But I know for a fact that somebody moved a glass because I know what that sound is. So it doesn't so bother what? me. It's just a couple guys drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know, it's like, okay, I know for a fact somebody moved a glass. It yes. doesn't change anything. Yeah. I still understand what they're talking about and I'm not distracted. It's just a tink, done. On I don't the care. flip side of it, or not really the flip side, my dad told me something very interesting one time. Mm -hmm. I was painting my room. And I was quite young. Yes. And I made a mistake in one area. And I was busy fixing the mistake. And he came in and told me, be careful when you're painting and you make a mistake. Because every time you walk into the room, the first place your eyes are going to go are to where that mistake mm -hmm. occurred. Mm -hmm. Right? You're going to look at the blotchy area where you tried to fix it. Yeah. And the same thing is true of anything. If I'm listening to the podcast I edited, I'm going to listen to the part where the cat came in and annoyed us. <laughs> I'm going to listen or you're watching the video that you were editing. You're going to look for the area where... Mike showed up. Yeah. Right? Something like that. So you can get caught up in your own mistakes. Mm -hmm. But the truth is when anybody else walks into my room, it would take them hours to find out where I made that mistake. Yeah. I think what's there's there's balance to this. Because as much as yeah, don't be perfect, there's also if something's really, really, really bugging you when you're making something, then fix that thing or do that thing. Because we have our first campfinder video, I decided to, it's like we were, I was making memes or whatever, and one thought I had took too way, much effort. Just so that people know, it's the first video that we shot yeah. when we were camping and we were just having fun. You know? Yes, yeah. We call them campfinder for inside joke reasons. <laughs> um, we'll watch that to this day. And this was like four or five years ago that I made this. I was too lazy to do the meme I wanted to do. And I still, whenever we watch that, I see that moment and I anticipate it and I go, I should have freaking done that. So there are definitely some things I think where it's like, if it's really eating away at you, do it. Don't be lazy. Just do it. Fix it. Cause you'll hate that you never did it. Don't, yeah. it's like, there's the balance, you know? The whole point of it is that not to be so caught up in being perfect yeah. that you procrastinate Yeah. because that can be its own form of procrastination. Yeah. You can waste time trying to be perfect. Mm hmm when you could have been good. Now, if that imperfection is stopping you from being able to effectively operate or execute the tasks that you are working yeah. on, yeah, fix it. But don't get caught up in making the whole thing perfect. Yeah, because that's another thing in that, on the procrastination bit, is when I started drawing, even to this day, if I start drawing, I'll put a line down and be like, nope, that line is wrong. And I will erase it, and I will spend the next hour putting a line down, erasing it, sitting there thinking about a line, 10 minutes later, I'll put a line down, erase it, spend another 10 minutes thinking about a line. How about yeah. I just put 10 lines down and see what's up and then fix some mistakes? That actually helped me a lot when I was drawing as a kid. Yeah. My dad told me, don't draw one perfect line, draw a hundred imperfect ones. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can kind of merge them and branch them together until you've sketched out what yeah. you want to draw. Right? It doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. You're not AutoCAD. You're not going to get it. <laughs> but you can work at it until you get something good. And then... The good things will start to look perfect to other people. Number nine. And this is where we're going to get into the health part. Sleep, eat, exercise, <laughs> chill out, repeat. Yeah. Staying healthy and having healthy habits is important. There's a balance to that that is crucial. Mm -hmm. Like we were saying, if you sleep too much, you'll lose time in your day to do the other things like exercise properly. Yeah. If you overeat, you won't feel good enough to exercise. A grumbling stomach might keep you awake at night. Mm -hmm. If you don't take the time to relax, to chill out, you'll get 
You'll burn out. You'll burn out, and then you won't be able to do anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a balanced, healthy day is very important. Mm-hmm. But comfort corrupts. Yep. If we find ourselves, we might enjoy chilling out a little bit more than we should. Yeah. Which is fair. That's me. <laughs> That's every human being. Yeah. After I've had a productive and useful day, I sit down and play video games for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I really need to go to bed. But I'm almost done this mission. Yeah. Let me give myself another 15 minutes. <laughs> and I'll literally, I'll snooze the alarm that tells me to go to bed. Oh, dang. And then I'll snooze it again. <laughs> and then I'll snooze it again. And then I'll snooze it again. The opposite snooze. <laughs> it's, the, it's literally the opposite yeah. of snoozing, right? Yeah. The same thing, waking up. I need to get up at this time so I have enough time to work out, so I have enough time to prepare, so then I can get to work on time and like give enough time for my commute because I know there's going to be an accident on the highway. Yeah. I know it's going to be slow me down today. Yep. Or I need to get off and like chip the ice off my car so I can actually go. But then I'll be like, 20 more minutes. Yeah. Then I lose. I'm rushing through my workout. I don't get that done in time. I'm like at the car by the time I should be on the highway. And I'm still chipping ice off of it. And then I'm getting to work late because of I snooze. Yep. I snoozed, right? The same thing is true from eating. Meal prepping is one of... <laughs> it's a very difficult habit to do. Because mm-hmm. you want to eat elf- healthy. Yeah. If the food is there, if somebody packs a lunch for me that is carrots and vegetables and then like a little bit of meat or something, mm-hmm. cool. I'll eat it. Especially if it's ready for me. But then convenience becomes the enemy of health. Because mm-hmm. it's way more convenient to go through a McDonald's drive-thru than it is for me to cut up vegetables and make a lunch for myself. Yeah. Meal prepping is its own skill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to this? Because we were talking about health a lot. I mean, I've been thinking about that with salads because I make a specific type of salad. But goodness, I hate making it every single night because I every single night I have to pull out the cucumber, pull out the lettuce, and do all this. It's like every single freaking night. How about one day? I'm trying to figure this out because I like fresh vegetables much better. And they go bad when they're in tiny pieces faster. But there's got to be some way. Because I went to Subway or something. It's like, I could make a sandwich this fast if I had all the vegetables sliced up and ready to go in little containers. Easy. But... How do I do that? It's like, just take one day, slice everything up, put them in containers, and deal with it. <laughs> oh, it's not as perfectly fresh as I want. Whatever. Another part to it, though, is that like you can, you, if you do it enough times, mm-hmm. they say it takes 21 days for you to make a habit. Yes. Right? So you only have to do this perfect thing for 21 days before you don't even notice that you're just doing it out of mm-hmm. habit. You've seen me cut up a banana. Oh my goodness. I've cut a banana so many times to make smoothies or milkshakes. I forgot about this. That I do it quickly, and it's almost artful. Yeah. I didn't even realize it until you pointed it out yeah. at one point. The same thing can be true of the vegetables. Cutting the vegetables takes so long. Dude, I watched Gordon Ramsay cut an onion, and now I cut an onion like that automatically because I do it so so often. Right, and yeah. he probably does it in an efficient learned way oh yeah dude it takes time like 10 freaking seconds yes it's amazing when you see chefs working it's because they've done that so many times those skills if you take the time to do the same thing that's another thing about neuroplasticity and Mm. using the same neural pathway to do something every time the more times you do it that's what practice is you're doing it enough times so that the neural pathway is so well ingrained into your brain that 
it takes no effort for you to complete an action. Mm -hmm. I can cut that banana because I've done it so many times. I've practiced at it. Yeah. And now it's so easy for me to do that it no longer takes a minute. It takes a second. Mm -hmm. Right? Same thing can be true for me doing the meal prep. Of course, sometimes things get in the way. Oh, I forgot to go to the grocery store. Yeah. I don't have this thing I want. Or something yeah. like that. That's the hardest part for me is the meal prep parts. Everything else, you know, snoozing and stuff like that, I can push myself. I can get more disciplined. Yeah. But having an uninterrupted 21 days to build the habit <laughs> is very hard. One thing I like about that is this guy on YouTube introduced me to the idea of the 70% rule. Where it's like, yeah, 21 days is difficult. You won't get 100% of it. But you can do 17 days, 18, 19. Do seven, you can do 70% of that. Yeah. There you go. You can do 70%. Perfect. It's like, how about you do 30 days, but part of that 30 days is skipping a few days. It's in, uh, accounting for days you're going to incidentally yeah. skip. Attempt the 21, but give yourself 30 or something like that. At least make the sleep, eat, exercise, chill out, mm -hmm. the balanced day. At least work on making that regular so that the day that you take off the day that you splurge, the day yeah. that you binge, the day that you sleep in yeah, is the outline, yeah, right? Like when you hear about people who go to the gym, they're like, yeah, I love going to the gym. I go once a month. <laughs> it's like, oh, so it's an occasion. Yeah. You like make an event out of it. Yeah, you're like yeah. I did it. I went to the gym. <laughs> you're not a regular gym goer. Mm -mm. No, that was an outlying thing. Because a regular gym goer is the guy that says, shoot, if I miss a workout, I feel like garbage that day. Was, I mean, yeah, I've noticed the same thing, especially getting older. Because yeah. when you're young, you are a lot more elastic. You can, you know, you'll bounce back from whatever it is that you do to yourself. Yeah. When you're older, you're like, I have to be careful drinking milk. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Like, I remember it was so funny when I was 20, I took this parkour class and I was one of, there were like 10 students there and three of us. We're in our 20s. The rest of them were like 15 and under. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. It was so funny. It says and under 25. It was. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally me. But uh, I was I was there and I did. Uh, we were doing wall flips. So it's like you run towards the the punching bag, whatever thing they set up to help help you with it, and you do backflips like you're running off the wall. And this one kid did the backflip, uh, ran off the wall, did the backflip, landed wrong, and twisted his ankle. And I was like, yo, if you do this sort of thing, you can stretch it out. You should really do that. And he was like, oh, fine. It'll be gone a few minutes. I was like, dang, man, it gets different it when you're older. Minutes. And he was like, yeah, exactly. And he was like, it gets different when you're older. When you're, I said, it gets different when you're 20. He said, you're only five years older than me. And I was like, you're only five years younger than me. <laughs> it's like this kid was freaking 15. And he's like, oh, it'll yeah, be dude. gone in a few minutes. Dude, when I was younger, I could inhale food. Yeah. And no problems at all whatsoever. <laughs> like I could eat two foot longs and like the cookies and the chips and mm -hmm. like a giant drink and like all that stuff. I could do it. <laughs> now I can't like, I'll never order anything large ever again. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't. Yeah. Like my body will no longer allow it and I will feel terrible the whole day if yeah, I do man. that one mistake. When you get older, things become more unforgiving. Yeah. So the balance becomes hyper important. Yeah. Now I like I look at somebody who's like, oh, I can't have another piece of meat. Oh, I should not eat this cheese or something like that. I understand now. Yeah. And I respect it. 
Know where your boundaries are. Know what actually keeps your day balanced. Do a yeah. little bit of experimentation. Epicurus, one of these uh, Greek philosophers that I didn't mention at the top of this, but his whole thing was being happy with a little. Mm. Right? He was saying, you're not going to be happy if you eat a giant feast every day. Yeah. In fact, you'll feel terrible. But if you have a little bit of food in the company of good friends, that's the best thing you could possibly ask yep. for. A little bit of thing, just a tiny bit. Yeah. Moderation. You don't want a whole cake every day. Nope. You want to slice every once in a while. Yeah. Right? Because it actually kind of ruins it for you. Going to, when people used to go to a burger joint to get like the burger and the shake and the fries, that was yeah. once in a while. Yeah. It was like a whole event. We're saving up. We're going to a restaurant. Yeah. We're putting all this work and effort into getting there. You pop through a McDonald's and you're getting the same experience. You've ruined it. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I kind of mentioned earlier. One of the things that an epiphany I had a little while ago about getting burgers Mm -hmm. or like going and drinking soda and all that stuff. It's not even that good. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even a good experience. It's not. It's not worth it at all. Makes you feel awful. Raise your standards. (laughs) If instead of going to McDonald's, you know, three times a week, you save that money and then you go to a steakhouse once a week. Mm -hmm. Isn't that much better? That's that's worth it, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you went to a steakhouse every day, it would suck. Yeah. It's not worth it. Dude, we should start planning company kegs once a month. I'm down. And working for it. (laughs) Yeah. We have to make money first. Shoot. <laughs> Feel free to donate to the Forest Creek dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, plug our Patreon so we can go to the keg. The Patreon that's not up yet. Shoot. Yeah. It, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. But uh, once you subscribe to our monthly extra content, uh, you will be able to pay for us to go to a steakhouse every month. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be the dream? Oh, dude. <laughs> Get us some apps. Uh <laughs> Point being, my internet money's paying for this steak. Before reaching for the next cookie, mm-hmm. is it even worth it? It's not even that good. Mm-hmm. We bought these cookies from Costco. They're Kirkland <laughs> brand cookies. Yeah, they're Do you have not any even idea that good. How many of these cookies are in the world and how they're made? They're they're so not worth it. That they don't even give them to homeless people. They just throw them out. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a homeless person will get these cookies and be like, they're not even good. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm but, um, like, just consider that we've ruined the experience yeah. by making it, you know, so abundant. And you know what's interesting? Yeah, it's like that scarcity or rarity of something actually makes it better. Because I remember yeah. I went on some diet or whatever. And when I went off it, I made a pizza. And while I was grating the cheese, I just picked up a piece of mozzarella and put it in my mouth and just had that. And I was like, this is amazing. It was the best piece of cheese I'd ever eaten. And it was some random Cracker Barrel mozzarella bit. It's even good. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even the best cheese by a lot, by a mile. Dude, if I'd had like some French brie at that moment, I probably would have died. Just the way it melts in your mouth. Yeah. It's like cream. Dude. Man, you know what's funny is that, like, you can confront me with a 
pizza now or mm-hmm. a charcuterie board Ooh. of just like meats and cheeses. I'm still a heathen. I'll take the pizza. I will not. <laughs> I will not. I'll go for the charcuterie board because I like the little bit. Yeah. I like the little bit, the moderation of it. Just the, like a little bit of cheese and crackers. Yeah. I don't need a whole dough and yeah. grease and you know what? I, sauce. I reacted last night to myself and I impulse bought a pizza at 9 p.m. And I asked for a large with extra sauce, and she spoke back to me in extra large, and I was like, I guess she heard extra large. And then I said, yeah, sure, and hung up. And then I was like, she thought I said extra large when I said large with extra sauce. And my only thought was, I'm not going to get extra sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) That's how far gone I was. (laughs) I mean... I've been on the impulse and I'd order yeah. Wendy's Ooh. at 2 a.m. <laughs> or something like that. Just like whatever's available on the DoorDash. I yeah. just want something fried. Yeah. Just need it. And I want it now. <laughs> and then I'd eat it feel horrible and not be able to get to sleep that night. And just it would ruin my whole next day. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Every time I go out and party, I, I, I joke around with, with you guys sometimes about this like, Tomorrow we're all going to go on a cleanse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we've had this experience and it's going to ruin us enough that we're like, we're never yeah. doing this again, even though we're going to do it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll you'll make mistakes. Yeah. You'll definitely throw yourself off balance a lot of the time. I mean, I think that's where. But mm. if you make the balanced, healthy day regular. Yeah. Then the one off won't hurt you as much. And I think part of that. Is that not only will it not hurt you as much, it becomes the seven, one seventh of your life. That should be wild. It's like, yeah, have that balanced thing. You're supposed to have a Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. Have a Sabbath from your healthy life. Yeah. It's okay. Take a, take a break. <laughs> yeah. Eat a pasta. Yeah. Something like that. My favorite, I want to say real quick, my favorite thing on the, because you mentioned Epicurious, be happy with a little. I like the extreme Diogenes. He had two possessions the big pot that he lived in and his bowl to eat and drink from and then he one day saw a little boy drinking from a puddle by scooping his hands together so he looked at his bowl and said why do i even need this and threw it away (laughs) (laughs) this is very interesting so good (laughs) I, i like that idea that like diogenes is like watches the dog poop in the town square and he's like why can't i do that (laughs) (laughs) he's he's the guy who looks at like this vagabond living and goes that's so free yeah i could do that that's kind of the (laughs) bohemian romanticism yeah although then there was the degenerate part of him that was masturbating in the streets and he he responded to the to people asking why to if only i could banish hunger by rubbing my belly Number 10 on our list. Write it all down. Mm, So you don't have to remember it. Not just that. (laughs) Journaling. Logging your time. What is one of the the hardest thing about these weight loss things that people talk about, like Weight Watchers and stuff like that, is for me, it's not even doing the activities, not even dieting. Mm. It's just writing down the calories. Yeah. Or even like these finance trackers where you stop and you write in how much you spent on everything. It's like... yeah. I don't have time. I don't want to do it. I, I've been forcing myself recently because I bought a journal a little while ago. It's a really nice mm. journal. It's got one of those moleskin, you know, Ooh. things. But it's sectioned out 
for like, you know, what are the things you got done today? What is something you're grateful for today? What's mm. a general log? And then what's something that went well today? Okay. And it has like a little chart in the back. It's like, write down the skills and the things that you want to get done on a regular basis and mm. then fill out these little squares to show what your progress is. Yeah. There are gaps in that journal that are literally months, <laughs> months long. <laughs> That I have not been able to keep up with. Yeah. Because I'll just, I'll stop. I'll stop logging. Right? Yeah. And it's very beneficial for you to have that thing that tracks it. Mm-hmm. That shows you here is your progress. I've gotten better at this kind of stuff now because I wear a Fitbit. Mm-hmm. And it tracks it even when you don't. Paying attention. Yeah. It's tracking it. So every once in a while it'll buzz like once a day and be like, you burned 3,000 calories today. Mm. Like, yeah, I did it. But I can look back and see that it was all automatically tracked. But stopping to write things down, you can see what your brain is doing, right? And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about the logging part at this point. Not just the, like, writing down how much weight you lost today, but stopping and be like, here's how I feel today, Mm. right? A little while ago, um, last year, I was doing this self-imposed challenge, to write a haiku every day. Yes. I had never written a haiku before that, and I just kind of became fascinated with them after I finally understood how haiku works mm-hmm. when I played Ghost of Tsushima. And I was like, oh, all you really have to do is look at nature, put together some artful yeah. words, and then it'll just come to you. And I did that every day. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed about it is that I could capture the way I felt hmm. in the day 575. Five. Interesting. And now I do it in my journal. I'll sit down and I'll write something and like I'm a writer by trade so naturally it's very easy for me to express myself in words mm-hmm. in that way and I read back in some of the older pages it's like even the days I was most depressed it's kind of poetic mm-hmm. but I'm glad I did it because it captured the way I felt about things mm-hmm. and the way that I was feeling now when I read back I'm like okay this is a lot more positive the poetry is a little happier mm-hmm. it's not like I intended to sit down and compose poems but just logging your day gives you a way to express yourself. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, another guy we love mentioning <laughs> all the time, apparently, um, he runs a little bit of an online program where you like write essays mm-hmm. and do that as a sense to take the things that are ethereal and in your mind and put them down on paper and actually yeah. organize them because it'll help you visualize and understand what you're trying to do. Yeah. Right. The same thing is true of like, before doing these podcasts, I've been trying to get in the habit of like write a bullet point, mm. you know, list of the things you want to talk about so that yeah. you're not just here going, uh, what else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never want to say that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know what it is I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Right. It's tremendously helpful. Your to-do list. I do one every morning when I sit mm. down at my desk at work, I make a quick to-do list and then I can adjust and add things to it as people continue to give me things throughout the day. Yeah. But at least I have something to look back at. Like, what do I need to do? I need to start doing that because every time I leave work and come in the next day, I go, shoot, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I love this app we've I've started using called Todoist. Yes. Yeah, we got the same thing. Yeah. And now every day I go into that app and hit reschedule to today. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same exact thing. Because if you don't check things off, it'll tell you you were supposed to do these things yesterday. Yeah. Right? And it gives you a little notification every day. It's like, you got this many tasks. Yeah. You know? And yeah, you can get carried away and you're making the list. Oh, you can. I put it down to get out of bed, shower, brush teeth. Yeah. So I'd be like, yeah, I love marking things off. Right? And then by the time I had three things, it's like, you've hit your goal for the day. (laughs) 
And I was like, I'm not even started. <laughs> and I'm already hitting goals. I mean, if I look at my to-do list now, like, I've gotten better at doing that. But yeah. you know, I'm still, it's helpful for me to have that so that I can actually know what it is I'm going to try to do for the day. And yeah. how can I accurately plan this out? It ain't easy. Nope. But if you don't write things down, you won't be organized. Mm -hmm. I like being organized. I've taken pride in being able to organize that, making yeah. those lists, scheduling things and stuff like that. Yeah. And this actually ties back into the idea of having aim. It's like, write it down. Know what you make want. Make it, let, don't make it ethereal. Like, don't let it be ethereal. Make it material. Understand what it is. And now you're writing goals for it. Yes. And not even that. It's like you're writing the process along the way. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't actually put the pen to the paper. Yeah. Right? It's really interesting because a while back I sort of did like partial journals, partial Bible studies sort of thing. But it's interesting going back and reading what you were thinking and feeling on a specific day. It was int especially interesting for, for me the way I like to do it just for fun is I not only write down the specific the date, but I also write down the time I started writing. So it's like, okay, at... On like June 15th, 2019 at 3.15 p.m. I felt this way. I, I was thinking these thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> they do that actually in some counseling things. Hmm. Like I sat down with a counselor one time. She's like, mood journal. Mm. Track your mood so that you can see it's like, okay, how was I feeling on this day? And now I can start to think about what were the things I was doing that made me feel happy and what made me feel sad. Yeah. And all this stuff. Another part to it your mind will be so less weighed down by the chaos of trying to keep it all in your head. Yeah, yeah. Socrates was wrong. You need a Google Calendar. Yep. <laughs> you need to be able to know, I have to be here at a certain time, and it's not just in my brain. I can mm -hmm. look at the thing and be like, okay, I know it's there. It's an interesting thing in regards to, yeah, writing down weight, that whole idea of it takes the weight off your mind. Because it. whenever I try and sit down and meditate... Oh, my Australian, came out. my Australian came out there. <laughs> you know, man, when I meditate. <laughs> um, it's like it takes a hot minute to get through everything. Yeah. So you, I'll just let my mind flow. It's like, think about this, think about this, think about this, think about this. And then an hour later, I'm finally, not an hour because I'm not that studious, but um, it's like eventually, um... it, yeah, it will mostly get through. I'm not a pagan, but <laughs> wow. um, yeah, but that idea of writing it down, that you focus on that one, it forces you to focus on a single idea and get it out of your head. And then you write down the next one and it forces you to focus on that idea instead of going from this one to this one to this one to this one. Well, that's the thing about like, the reason why in meditation, when you see Buddhists, they go, oh, mm -hmm. it means two things. One, you're kind of saying the oneness of the world by making all the vowel sounds in one go. Oh, interesting. Um, oh. Or something like that. But the other part to it is that in the same way that they hit a bell, every once in a while or a gong or something that's the signal for hey i know you're thinking about something clear in mind <laughs> stop that <laughs> you know to go doom, yeah yeah and you're in the middle of like meditating you're like oh that's right back to reality <laughs> and it helps eventually you clear your mind so yeah it's just doom, and you're already clear that's another alan watts thing i like when he goes reality is and then hits a gong <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's very much you know the point that he drives in there right yeah but write things down mm -hmm. write things down because it'll help you keep track 
and that information is very useful. Mm-hmm. Write things down because it'll help you express yourself and learn to express yourself. It'll help you take the idea that's floating around in your head and actually put it in words, mm-hmm. which is very useful because if I'm you know, trying to tell people what this podcast is about, before I came up with the words alt culture, pop philosophy, yeah. I had no idea how to describe this. It's a variety show or something. Yeah. It's like, I'm like Joe Rogan. I mean, that was our, our actual episode one was figuring out what the podcast is about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's the next thing on our is list? Last one. Number 11, 12. 11? Oh, I got, I got a couple more things. Whoa. Number 11. You can't get it all from reading, which is hilarious because this list is kind of derived from yeah. self-help books. <laughs> What does that mean? You can't get it all from reading. I think Proverbs actually has the answer to this. Which is funny because it's a book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's a verse in Proverbs. I think it's early on. It says, it's embodying wisdom as a woman. And it says, wisdom cries out from the front gates of the city. Wisdom cries out from the town square, from the wall, from so-and-so, wherever. And Tim Keller opened my eyes to that. And he, he said... What it means here is that wisdom is in experience. Go to the front gates. Go to the town square. Go outside and live. Experience, live your life and experience things because you gain wisdom through experience. You don't gain wisdom through reading the book. It's like, I have a general understanding of this, but it's not until I actually go through it that it goes in my head. I'm sure even the rocket scientists who study everything there is to study about it and they math it all out mm-hmm. are still perplexed every when they see it blow up on the tarmac. Yeah. Right? You need to do it. You need to see it happen mm-hmm. to actually kind of get an understanding of like, all right, where am I going wrong? Yeah. Right? Or I can read about mm-hmm. guitars all day. I can watch people on YouTube videos play guitars all day. Yep. But then I can pick it up and the sensation can be foreign. Yeah. Right? It's completely different. Completely different. Right? It hurts. You can watch <laughs> a YouTube video. We There's hundreds of thousands of hours you love peter draws for instance yeah you can watch him do that stuff a whole day pick up a pen in yourself and try it and that's what's interesting about peter draws it's like he just draws yeah you can't get it all from reading yeah or watching or listening to someone talk about it yeah when you you gotta slay the dragon you gotta (laughs) you gotta just go right up there and cut its head off and then you go and face the thing and its teeth and it's flashing the fire at yep. you and you're like oh crap like, shoot man <laughs> that's cutting his head off is gonna be a lot harder yeah. than i thought i think this is like what i said at the beginning in that i've listened to all of this stuff and i know when i read this list i was like i know all of this but i haven't actually done any of it i've done it here and there but i haven't actually taken a small step and changed a major part of my life even that example of like climbing up the mountain yeah I just thought I could go up there. I just, I just thought it was like, yeah, yeah. I'm just walking. Just go, hike it up the thing. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then I, I'm actually trudging through the snow and like trying to push myself to get to the top, to the peak. And I'm like, oh my God, this was way harder than I thought it was going to na- be. But now you know. It's a challenge. Yeah. But I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. Because not only did I prove it to myself, but now I have the experience yeah. and I can apply that when I'm thinking about the next trip I'm going to do. And what's interesting is that I think what's interesting about this is that we all know we can't get it from paper. We all know that we need to know, we need to figure experience it. Yeah. Because that's where all these videos saying things I wish I learned before I started hobby you're interested in. 
I was actually telling the same thing to um, some children yesterday when I was giving a Sunday school lesson. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. I was talk- talking to them about media in general and how much time you're spending watching YouTube videos yeah. or TV. What's so great about, you know, YouTube, right? And they put up their hands like, you can learn a lot of things. That's great. Mm-hmm. Are you learning a lot of things from watching Minecraft videos? Really? Ooh. Just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> the point I was, I was trying to get across them is like, even if you're watching something super educational, you can't actually... You're not learning until you apply it. Yeah. Until you have tried it yourself. Mm-hmm. You can watch somebody paint a picture, pick up the brush yourself and try to do anything like that. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. Because it's real life. Yeah. I've even found that like I watch all these coloring tutorials on how to use DaVinci Resolve. And then when I actually get down to coloring something like, oh, I'm going to practice on this movie. I sit in front of the board and go, what, what the heck do I do? It's like, well, I've, I just watched an hour of tutorials, so I have a general idea. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, what about this specific shot? Well, the highlights aren't destroyed in this one, so I'm, I guess I don't have to do that step. Uh, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even in terms of clicking things, mm-hmm. you're not even like, wait yeah, a minute, man. I go to edit, and then I go to preferences, and then I like, yeah. try to adjust something. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like now, now that I've used the program enough times, I consider the board, and I know what I'm going to do. approaching any shot I have an idea of how to start you think about babies watch adults walk around and talk Mm -hmm. all day but then they try to get on their own feet and they fall down and they try to say something yeah because they they can't do it yeah (laughs) right it's like watching and looking and observing yes it's very important to change that mental map to learn to apply your wisdom and all that stuff but like also get up on your feet and try we can learn a lot from babies because babies fail upwards yeah (laughs) (laughs) we all fail upwards babies fail all the time number 12 on our list is failing upwards yep yeah you're gonna suck you're gonna get it wrong yeah you're gonna make massive mistakes you're gonna have the wrong interpretation yeah you're gonna fail guess what that's all humans we all failed. We failed mm-hmm. upwards. Entire dynasties and kingdoms and empires have continuously collapsed and are in a constant state of continuous collapse. <laughs> Guess what? This one is too. Yep. There's a recession that's going to probably come in next year. And some people are saying it's not going to be a recession. It's going to be a depression. Goodness. It's going to be bad. I need to even learn what these terms mean because I've got a general idea of it's like, oh, money sucks, but... That's yeah. about it. <laughs> Recession is like money sucks, hard to get a job. Depression yeah. is money really, really, really sucks, really hard <laughs> to get a job. And it's not just happening for a year. It's happening for 10 years. Mm. Right? It can be really bad. Yeah. We're going to be fine. <laughs> There's going to be humans after that too. Yeah. Guess what? There's going to be another kingdom, another empire, another dynasty you know, after you that too. You know how we know there's what a depression is? Because we as a race have experienced it. Yes. Whoa. As the human race. Whoa. <laughs> but you know what else? That's like the best part the best part is things going wrong and falling apart yeah that's where the riches are that's where the things that you're actually going to learn are right you can take what you learned and apply it to the next thing the forest creek is my fifth attempt at starting this thing (laughs) i got it wrong so many times ever since i was in high school and i've learned along the way and i'm so glad those other things fell apart because i like this one more yep and guess what I'm going to like the thing I do after this, too. Mm-hmm. Even if this does fall apart, <laughs> I will have been better off for it. Yeah. Fail upwards. Now, can you fail downwards? Yes. That's a decision, though. Yeah. You will fail. 
it's you who decides to not learn something from it or to give up. Yeah. Sometimes that's even the appropriate thing to do is to move on to the next thing and try something else. Yeah. But guess what? That's upwards too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this isn't what I want to do. This yeah. isn't working out and it's not for me. That is wisdom and experience. That's upwards. Yeah. Right. Even if you're middling at your job every day, you just keep going in and you clock in and clock out. Yeah. You're stacking another brick. Mm-hmm. You're making another paycheck. Yeah. You're doing something else, right? You're still moving your way upwards a little bit. Even if you feel like you come out of that day having failed. Yeah. If you look at the positive, you can see you ticked upwards just a little bit. Yeah. No matter how many times empires have rose and fallen and depressions and wars and blah, 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 blah. Guess what? As a human race, overall, we're doing better today than we were yesterday. Yeah. It might seem crazier. Things might look rough ahead. But we're doing better. Yeah. We're failing upwards. Mm -hmm. That's all of humanity. (laughs) And you know what? You fail upwards. You end up at a high enough point. You start succeeding. Boom. Yeah. On that note, that actually leads me to my number 13. Number 13 is another piece of advice that my dad has always given us. Mm. Um, The Arabic term was, Like, I'm paraphrasing here. Mm -hmm. The meaning of it is to take care of the light of your candle. Mm. Shama. Well... That's a little bit contrary to some other things we heard, you know, like, let your light shine before men. Mm. All that kind of thing is like, you need your light. You need to show it to other people. You need to, you know, find your way around the darkness. But you also need to take care of it. Yeah. In a practical sense, you know, you take care of it so the wind doesn't blow it out. Mm-hmm. In a practical sense, if something good's going well for you. If you're succeeding. Something good, you, you maybe you're lining up a business opportunity. You're getting a new car. You're about to go get a new phone. Something like that. Yes, there's use in getting other people's opinion, but just telling them to tell them, just telling them to say, hey, things are going good for me, mm-hmm. that's not useful. In fact, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we don't go around telling everybody how much money we make. Yep. Or showing them our bank statements. Yep. Some people rob you. Yep. Even if they're completely nice people, sometimes they'll take advantage of you without even knowing it. Yep. Hey, yeah. I'm having trouble making this payment. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want that. No. As much as you would like to be useful to others yeah. and to help them out, yeah, you gotta look after you first. Because yeah, the thing that's, is, like, that's where that line I was talking about earlier is. It's like make sure that the help you're giving people is actually helping. Yes, that you're not being deceived. That it's not going towards nothing. That it's not being squandered. You have to make sure that little bit of failure is upwards. Yeah, take care of the light of your candle, because your thing is like great business opportunities coming up. I'm really excited about it. I want to tell everybody. Yeah. But if I telling everybody, what if it doesn't work out? Yeah. Then I just set all these expectations around me for no reason. Yep. And if anything, people are going to think less of me because they're going to say, oh, he always talks things up, but it doesn't go yeah. through. Even if that's once, people go, he always does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually like Gus Johnson's piece of advice here. He had one video I remember where he talked about, he sees all these people on YouTube going, hey, I'm gonna go do this thing on this channel, come follow me. He's like, stop that. Shut up, I don't care. Just do it. Just do it, have the channel. Yeah. Say, I am doing this yeah. on this channel. Yeah, there you or go. I have done this Nobody on this cares what you're going to do or what you're thinking of or you're planning. It's yes. like, that's a rough way of saying it, but it's like, yeah. It's like, what matters is when you're doing something. Once a podcast, I've said, we're building our website. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's coming, folks. Whatever. (laughs) Exciting things are always happening at the Forest Creek. It's like, well, let me come back at it. Let me practice what I'm preaching here and come back and say, 
we have exciting things. Yeah. We have done them. They're yeah. here. Come see them. You know. Boom. Yeah. On that note, yeah, come check us out. Come check out the things we have done. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of podcasts up. We're actually doing pretty well on that. I'm feeling pretty good. We have a pretty great December lineup coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, exciting things are happening in our world. We're not going to tell you about them because we're taking care of the light of our candle. Yeah. Don't come <laughs> and blow it out. <laughs> but if you do want to keep up with us, you can find us primarily on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at The Forest Creek. If you're looking us up on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash at The Real Forest Creek. At Instagram and Spotify, though, The Forest Creek, your regular podcast. More content coming on the way. I am working on articles. I am working on other podcasts. I am working. We're, we are working on videos. Yep. And we would like to do some work for services if you have a local business if you have a business that is in need of some marketing content and i'm talking pro bono i'm talking for free to have a couple of professionals come in there film some things and give people an insight into your business or your ministry or your service and your product contact us at theforestcreek at gmail.com and we'll see what we can do for you anyhow folks i'm raf I'm Jared. Help yourselves. (laughs) Bye-bye.